Well, Victory Midtown, are y'all glad to be in church today? Come on, it's so good to see each and every one of you. Y'all look wonderful today from my point of view. Listen, before I jump into the message, I want to do something and invite the entire congregation in this moment into something that we've been exercising over the last couple years, but we've made it a little bit more prominent this year. Uh, as I even kind of joked about a little bit in uh, one of my messages a few weeks ago, when you're a part of a multicultural church and you're a part of a non-denominational church, sometimes there are traditions and things that we don't get into, and sometimes we have no traditions. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we kind of added some liturgy, that we added some tradition to what we do here so that we can continue to be reminded about how God lives in our lives and how we're to reverence him. And so over the past few weeks, what we've been doing is celebrating Advent. You see this table to my right, and you've seen it on the platform the last several weeks. And every week what we're doing is that we're taking a moment to light a candle that represents something and signifies a portion of how we're able to get our minds right and our hearts right to celebrate the holiday season, specifically Christmas, celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. And so I just want to take a moment and invite you into this as we light these candles, they signify that the fire of God is still burning in our lives. They signify that there's something special about when the body of Christ comes together to put our minds towards Jesus. And today, this candle that I'm going to be lighting, it actually is called the shepherd's candle. And this shepherd's candle, I believe appropriately represents even what I sensed in the spirit as we prayed during our prayer for healing, it represents joy. It represents the anticipation. It represents us having our mindset understanding that even though we go through certain things in life, we have the joy of the Lord as our strength. And so just take one quick second just to kind of take a deep breath in and to take a deep breath out. Because we don't want to operate in a haphazard fa fashion as we enter into this Christmas season. As I light this candle, I want you to understand that your joy is being ignited. As I light this candle, I want you to know that the hope of Christ is what gives us joy. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that you are the one who gives us joy. Father, I thank you right now that even as we're in this holiday season where for a lot of people it does not seem so joyous, we thank you that we know the true reason for the season. My prayer over this congregation and over everyone listening to me right now I thank you, God, that you're moving in and through their lives in a way that we can settle in you and settle in your joy. We have this peace that surpasses all understanding, that guides, that guards our hearts in Christ Jesus. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for partaking in that for a moment because we want to make sure we set the house right. Amen. How many of y'all are ready for the word now? Y'all ready for the word? Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I am so glad you showed up today. Um, why? Because I am confident of a few things. I'm actually confident that God wants to speak to you today. I'm not only confident that God wants to speak to you today, I believe that this message that he has for you and even the encounter that has already gone forth so far is something that is speaking to you. What I also believe is that we have a loving God who wants to show us some very specific things today. The first thing that I believe he wants to show us is that he sees your life. He knows what's going on. We don't serve a God who is blind to the trials and the troubles that are going on. As a matter of fact, we've talked about this in this Anchor series, that we serve a God. Jesus even said that there will be problems. But the second thing that I'm glad about today is that even in those problems, 
God promises us peace. And not only does he promise us peace, this third reason why I'm very happy that you're here today and why I believe this is going to be an encounter for all of us is that there is help available for you today. Somebody say help is here. Now, as we navigate through the service, I want to let you know something. If you've not joined us for the rest of our series, go back and watch it on YouTube. Go back and watch it even or listen to it on, on the app. We've been in this series called Anchored, and this is week six. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what are some things that we need to make sure that we lean into, that we fortify ourselves into, that we hold on to if we're going to make it through the storms of life. And so we've talked about several things. The first week, we talked about being anchored in Jesus. The second week, we talked about being anchored in the Word of God. We've talked about being anchored in the fear of the Lord. We've even talked about being anchored in gratitude. How many of you know it's important that you have some gratitude? We even talked about that it's important, even as Pastor Johnson ministered, that it's important to rebuild, meaning that there are some things that we might have questions about that God is okay with your questions. But what we've said is that even as you're rebuilding, we want to make sure we rebuild in the proper way. And today, I'm going to jump into another crucial area of what I believe we need to get, and we're going to talk about today being anchored in community, being anchored in community. Now, what's different about today's message that's, that's a, a bit different from the others is that all the other messages as we've been talking about being anchored, they're talking about how we're anchored individually, how I make it, how I'm supposed to hold on. But today's message, we're talking about how we are able to be anchored collectively. And so as we navigate through the service today, I want to really just kind of express what community is. As we say we want to be anchored in community, community is this. It's defined as this. It's in your version Bible notes and on the screen. Community is a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together, say together, yeah. within a larger society. It goes on to give a definition as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what I'm saying is that to be anchored in community would mean that you have meaningful connections and a sense of fellowship with others with whom you share common attitudes, interests, and goals. Now, I want to see if I have an honest church. I believe I do. But I want to see if you'll be honest. And how many people would say by a show of hands that you truly feel like you're anchored in community after that definition? A few of you. Some of y'all say, I'm not going to lie in church. I love it. What I want to let you know is that even as I prayed through during the time of worship, that we're in the holiday season. And what I know about the holiday season, and you probably feel this as well, is that the holidays either amplify your sense of community or amplify the fact that you don't have community. There are a whole lot of people that are going through this merry time not feeling so merry. There's a whole lot of people that while we should be celebrating, while we should be happy, while we should be celebrating the coming birth of Jesus, that we're like, Jesus, I need you. And so what I want us to know right now is that while this should be the most wonderful time of the year, there's some people literally sitting right next to you that this is not the greatest time of the year for them. As a matter of fact, I've been taking inventory, and I've said this to my wife several times over the last several months, is that I believe it's still true that most people that you look at, that you see, that they kind of look like they're presenting well and they're doing well, most people are actually going through about 10 times more than what they look like. And sometimes what we do by a mistake is we assume everything is okay. We assume that, yes, they might be blessed and highly favored, but they still might be going through hell when they get home. 
And so today, as we're navigating through this, I want us to take this outside of just me, myself, and I and understand that there are literally some people that you do life with every day that you don't even know how bad off they are. But I believe there's hope. Somebody say there's hope. What I'm really saying today is that community is crucial to the care of your souls. Can you repeat this after me? Say community Community. is crucial to the care of my soul. Say it one more time. Say community Community. is crucial to the care of my soul. Can y'all tell that y'all going to participate with me today? Can y'all already tell? Here we go. As we're talking about anchoring in community, we need to know that this is a key factor in being those who stand firm in the storms. This is a key factor. If we're going to stand firm in these storms, we have to know that we can't do this by ourselves. I want to break some not so good news to you and even let you know that there are a whole lot of lonely people that will not make it through the storms because they're trying to do life by themselves. I see this picture in my mind of a tide coming in. I see this picture in my mind of storms coming in where where someone is actually waiting for someone to help them, where they're waiting for God to answer their prayer, to save them from despair. And God is saying, you would be saved from despair if you would have connected with another person. But what happens is we think that I can do it all by myself. I'm an independent woman. I N D E. We think that we can do it by ourselves, but what God is saying, I never created you to do it by yourself. And so I, I want to kind of just talk really quickly. I want to show you some real things, because sometimes we think that pastors are just talking about this theoretical, spiritual thing. But I even want to let you know about the actual physical ramifications of not being in community. Because when you're not in community, it produces loneliness. Somebody say loneliness. loneliness. See, there was a study done by the Harvard University um, area of human behavior. And what they said is that there are some effects of loneliness. They're going to put it on the screen. Some of the effects of loneliness are these. Feelings of hollowness and emptiness. Antisocial behavior. A reduction in self-care such as bathing and grooming. Some people are like, I'm not going to be around people anyway, so I might as well not shower every day. Problem sleeping. Cognitive decline cardiovascular disease and stroke, the progression of Alzheimer's disease, poor brain function, tied to substance abuse and addiction and even stress. Now, some of y'all are sitting right there feeling like, I'm feeling attacked right now. Because you see yourself in about two or three of these particular areas, and you thought you were just having independent problems, but it's really because you've been operating in an independent life. And so when we think about this, we need to understand that there's an unfortunate reality that there is a whole lot of people that show up, even in crowds like this, still operating in loneliness. There's this term that I've talked about before called crowded loneliness, where you're rubbing up against each other. You're in a crowd, but you go home still feeling empty. And so bigger than the COVID pandemic, bigger bigger than monkeypox, the loneliness epidemic is the one that we need to be afraid of. Because that's the one that will actually shift everything around you and actually cause you not to be anchored. And so today I want to take a little bit of a tour through the scriptures. We're going to kind of pop around a little bit because I just want to paint a picture and give us some things to think about today so that we don't think that we're just supposed to do this life alone. I want to first take a look at one of the foundational passages that we've talked about over the past few weeks in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to bring one excerpt out of that. In verse 10, Jesus starts to talk about the different things that are actually going to happen when he's ready to come back. 
He actually starts to give us an understanding of kind of the environment of what's happening, that different things will come. It'll be some gloom and doom, kind of like what we see in the world today. But in verse 10, he says this. He says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. That sounds like right now, right? He goes on and says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Quick pause, going to what Pastor Johnson even said last week, that syncretism is on the rise, that people are trying to deconstruct, not with the adage to reconstruct, but they're deconstructing because they're getting turned away and pulled away by all types of winds of doctrine. He goes on to say this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Can you say this with me? Say, I want to stand firm. To the, to the end. Come on, can you say it like you really believe that? Say, I want to stand firm, to, stand firm. To, the to the end. See, here Jesus is warning us of some factors. What he's doing, he's actually putting us on game of what life needs to look like while simultaneously really getting us ready for what's to come. And what Jesus is also doing is that he's not necessarily talking to people who are unbelievers. He's talking to people who have tasted and seen that God is good. He's talking to people who have experienced the presence of God. He's talking to people who have been close to the fire of God. He's talking to people who say that their lives have been changed by God. But what he also is doing is that he is telling us that even with all those things, you still can grow cold. Your love still can grow cold. You still can become apathetic. You still can actually become a person that's pessimistic. You still can become a person that's numb. But he's saying, don't let your heart grow cold. And so today, as I kind of stir the pot a little bit, I'm hoping that our hearts will not be cold. And some of us, as we're hearing this, you're saying, you know, immediately as you hear this word, you're like, oh, no, I'm hot for God. You know, I love God. We, we sing that song. I love you, Jesus. I love you more than everything. But when he goes and says, do you love the things that I love? Then we say, I don't know about that part. Jesus, I love you. But these people, I don't know. And so as we're thinking about this, I want to really drive some stuff home today. Remember the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but listen to this. This is the part some of us try to omit from the Bible. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what this implies right here is that, yes, it is absolutely important to love God. It is absolutely important to have passion for God. But it is equally as important to love God's people. It is equally as important to not be a person who says, I love Jesus and it's me and Jesus all by ourselves. No, he's saying, if you really love me, you need to show me that you love me by what you do. And so I want to kind of go to John chapter 21. Follow me on the journey for a minute. As I set the scene up, we see in John chapter 21, Jesus, he resurrected from the dead. He had already actually shown himself to the disciples two times. And then he shows up again while Peter and a few of the disciples are taking a swim in the water. As he takes this time to kind of come up on the shore, I hear Jesus actually yelling out to the disciples from the shore, hootie hoo! I don't know why I hear Jesus saying hootie hoo all the time. That's just my way of hearing how Jesus would call me. For some of my more old school people, I hear Jesus saying, regulators, mount up. 
Whatever one you want to say, Jesus is actually calling us forward. So he calls the disciples forward. They start to swim about 100 yards back to the shore. And we see something happen here. In John chapter 21, I want to read it for you. In verse 9, it says this. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, well, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him then, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter, by this time, he was upset. He was like, Jesus, I don't, you, you know me. And Jesus was like, yes, I know you. The last time I was with you, you denied me. You swerved me. So I'm going to be very, very sure about what I'm asking you right now. He says a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. I want to kind of throttle this story down or actually pull it up so that we can see it in even modern day times. Jesus shows up again the third time after his crucifixion to tell them an important message. And he does this in a way that only Jesus can do. He actually goes, he's there on the shore, he's sitting there, and he kind of starts a fire. And in starting that fire, he's sitting there and he starts to make some fish. You know, you know, this is kind of, I think, what may be the first old-fashioned fish fry on the shore. <laughs> and for some of us that are, like, gluten-free, this may be a fish roast. Let's say it like that. But what he does is that, you know, he brings them in because we've heard of the Last Supper, but this is the last breakfast. In this last breakfast, he leans into them, and he calls them, and Jesus starts to speak, and he starts to tell them as he's making these fire-roasted fish sandwiches. Can y'all tell I'm hungry right now? He starts to make these fire-roasted fish sandwiches, and this is what he's saying. Listen to this very closely. The sentiments of what he's saying is that if you love me, love them. He's saying, if you love me, be with them. He's saying, if you love me, share and do life with them. And so as we think about this, we don't have to overthink it. You may be saying, who is them? I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, you are them. Come on, some of y'all still looking at me. Look at the other person and say, I am them. So what we see here is that Jesus, he started a community of connectedness. He started a fire. He started something that continued to go. Even from the day of Pentecost, he saw that them sharing this fire, sharing this passion from house to house. In Acts chapter 2, it says it like this in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their day by day those who were being saved. What he's saying right here is that you need to keep these fish sandwiches going. 
Not just to eat, but you need to come together in fellowship. You need to come together and keep that fire going. What we're saying as we even talk about this fire is that we need to be a people right here at Victory Midtown, right here at Victory Church, that we keep the fire going. And what I talk, when I talk about fire, the Bible always talks about the fire being something that, that says that God is still working among us. The fire means that we are those who are alive, that we're not dormant, that we're continuing to move in power, strength, and authority. And so I want to even kind of take a little bit of a segue for a moment and even share with you as I was preparing this message, God just wanted me to even share with you what we even see about that fire and how it's going to affect this community. If you've driven in here in the recent future, you see these homes going up. You see the apartments going up. And I'm going to tell you, as my wife and I pray for this community, as our team prays for this community, what we see is that this is a revival center where the fire will start here and go right out into this neighborhood. See, we're not just talking about it. We're going to be about it. When we're praying, we're saying, God, we don't want to just be in the four walls and everything is good and people have to raise their hands in here. We want you walking down the street in your cars, raising your hand, on Huff Road, raising your hand, praying on your way out, raising your hand, saying, God, I believe that the fire that I actually encounter in that place, I'm going to carry that fire wherever I go. Do I have anybody that's going to do that with us? And so I think it's significant that as Jesus was restoring Peter, and he was giving him a charge that he did it around a fire. The reason why is because when you think about it theologically, it, fire symbolizes God's presence, his protection, purification, and passion for God. Let me say that one more time. Fire represents God's presence, protection, purification, and passion for God. And so if we say that we need to be anchored in community and we want to keep this fire going, how do we actually allow community and being anchored in community be something that allows us to keep that fire going? I'm glad you asked. The first way we do that is that we have to understand that community keeps you close to the fire. Community keeps you close to the fire. When I first got saved, I told you guys this before, or a version of this story is that when I gave my life to Jesus for real, y'all know what I'm talking about, for real, for real? When I gave my life to Jesus for real, I was hot. There was no cold in me. If you came around me, I could smell sin on you. (laughs) Not really. But I was a little extra. I was a little outside of myself because I really didn't have the understanding of how to actually cooperate and walk with people in a way that built relationships with them first before I started to actually try to correct them. I had to learn that over the years, but one of the important things that happened that I believe is even relevant to this message today is that when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't do it alone. I actually had a friend and a couple friends that took this journey with me. And what I realized, even in hindsight, is how important that was that I wasn't by myself. It was important because when I started to get beside myself, they could pull me back. When I started to get a little too judgmental, they can pull me down. When I started to even be tempted to go back into some of the things that I was delivered from, they could say, nope, keep it straight. I don't know about you, but I went to an HBCU, and around the summertime and springtime, you know, there was something that I started called the treetop ministries. I started the treetop ministries because the sundresses start coming out, and the clothes got smaller. And so every now and again, I'll be walking on the yard, and I would get tempted, and my boy would say, put that head up, treetop ministries unto God, I see you. What am I saying? We all need someone with us to help us even when we're in a good situation. And so community keeps you close to the fire. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says it like this. And let us continue, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more you see a day drawing near. Let, let me show you what I mean. I want to I do something. I want to get some people to help me real quick. Mo, can, can you help me real quick? Uh, Emily, can you help me? Irv, can you come up and help me? Y'all make your way up here. Clap it up for them. They don't know what's happening all the way, but they're going to help me preach today. They're going to help me preach today. Y'all can take a seat on this bench right here. See, see, when the Bible says, even in Hebrews chapter 10, that we need to not neglect meeting together, that we need to make sure that we stir up one another, that we need to encourage one another, do you know you cannot do any of these things alone? You cannot stir someone else up if you're not with somebody else. And so the Bible has given us clues right here already because just like myself, if, if I would have been by myself when I got saved, it would have been a lot easier for me to pull away when I felt like I was being tempted. It would have been very easy for me to not go forth and push through the things that I know God was telling me. And so the other thing that I need us to know is that some of us, we say, okay, I'm with a whole lot of other people, but everybody I'm around, they're just like me. They look like me, they sound like me, they think like me. And what I'm saying, even by action and by showing, is you need to get around some people who have some diversity. <laughs> Y'all put what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because if you don't have diversity, you will always convince yourself that you are right. And the other thing that happens is that people that are just like you will think just like you when sometimes you don't need to be thinking like you. And so what we're doing right now is we're talking about, I'm not just talking about racially, I'm not just talking about culturally, I'm talking about someone who might be a different number on the Enneagram than you. Someone who might have a different disc profile than you. You need to make sure that you're a person that is surrounding yourself around a community that can sharpen you. And so as we're looking at this, I want us to really grab this because there are some common characteristics of being close to the fire. Can y'all lean into the fire for a moment? I like that. I like that. See, when you're close to the fire, there are some things that happen. When you're close to the fire, you're zealous for the things of God. You're excited about the things of God. You're reading your Bible. You're connecting in small group. You, you are one who wants accountability because you want to make sure you're the best version of yourself. You're a person who has prayer power. You're a person who says, I'm going to get advice and counsel from trusted believers. Trusted believers. But in the opposite fashion, when you are far away from the fire, you become apathetic. You're someone who is pessimistic. You're someone, you, you kind of find yourself, I'm not reading the Bible as much as I used to read the Bible. I used to get up 30 minutes earlier so that I can have some prayer time, but now I'm too busy. Lo and behold, sometimes we don't even know that we've come off and gotten away from the fire. And so as we're looking at this, I want you to know something, that we are connected in a way that we need to be so close to people. Can y'all get a little closer? Y'all not scared of each other, are y'all? Can we be close enough to each other that we even feel when something is off with the other person? See, sometimes we're around people, but we don't really feel people. 
Sometimes we say we're doing life with people, but they're just walking alongside you. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens and influences another through discussion. Why do I like this? Why do I even bring this particular scripture out? Because I believe that there are some times where we need to come together with people who we can be so honest with that they can correct us and influence us through conversations based on the word of God. I call these people in my life spiritual spotters. My wife is a spiritual spotter for me, that when I get a little off off kilter, when I get a little out of whack, when I get a little too busy, she's able to look at me and say, hey, you need to go check this out. You need to actually go back and get with the Lord. You need to actually take some time and and kind of clear your schedule a little bit because you're operating too much out of mo and not out of the spirit. Some of us need a spiritual spotter who is going to be able to come in and say, I got you. I know this weight of life right now on you is a little heavy, but I got you. I know you think you can do it all by yourself, but I got you. And so I believe that we're going to be and we are growing to a a people who we're going to not just have people around us, but we're going to also employ this word that sometimes is a bad word, accountability. Accountability. Iron sharpening iron means that there's sometimes some abrasiveness. That there's sometimes where you're not going to agree. But when you don't agree, can you agree on what the word says? Can you agree on the direction that God is calling you to walk in? That's what true community does. See, accountability just means this. I know you know this, but I want to read it for you. Accountability means to be regularly answerable for each of the key areas of our lives to qualified people. Somebody say qualified people. See, some of y'all are asking people for advice that are not qualified to speak into your life. Some of y'all are going to coffee with somebody the first time. You're telling them your whole life story. Some of y'all are going on dates with people. Nothing wrong with going on dates. But that first day, you might need to go in community. So just in case something pops off, you can say, all right, y'all. We're going to lead together. I'm laughing, but I'm serious because there's a whole lot going on out here, and and we have to be a people who don't run away from accountability with the excuse of just, it's me and Jesus. Because a lot of times when we say it's me and Jesus, we're really saying, I don't want to let anybody close enough to actually see me for real. See, even Jesus, most of the time, wasn't just Jesus and Jesus. When Jesus came and actually was tested in the wilderness, immediately he came and went and got 12 people to walk with him because he said, I need some strength around me. I need some fellowship around me. I need some community around me. And so my my big question to you, I need some of y'all to write this down and, and maybe even post this for yourself. This is a simple question, but some of us need to hear it. Who in your life can tell you no? Who in your life can look at you and when there's something that you really, really, really want to do, but it's really, really out of whack, can tell you, nah, bro, that ain't it. Or sis, no, I love you too much to let you go down that road and not actually tell you that that's not going to be good for you. That's real community. That's, that's real iron sharpening iron as people come together. And so my question is, are you close to the fire? Ask yourself that. Say, am I close to the fire? But what that does, that leads us to ask us to look at the second thing. Community, it gets you when you wander from the fire. Community gets you when you wander from the fire. See, when you're not connected to community, you're oftentimes, believe it or not, not as close, as the fi- not as close to the fire as you should be or could be. 
And what happens when you're not close to the fire, you see random things start to happen. And you have to lovingly know that it's not time for you to be over here because someone will act like they have no sense (laughs) and put themselves in harm's way. See, we're joking, but do you see that sometimes when you're wandering, you, you think you're just going to something to look at that may be harmless, but you get yourself in a fire. A fire that wasn't the one that you were supposed to be close with. It's actually the fire that could kill you. And so we have to be careful that when we are coming in community that we don't just start wandering from the fire. Because what happens when we're wandering from the fire, we're what you would call a solitary Christian. A solitary Christian. And I love how John Wesley, he says this, there is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. Because again, what you're doing is you're answering yourself by yourself. You're declaring that you know best when God is saying, I put you around community so that you wouldn't walk by yourself. In the second chapter of the Bible, this is a scripture that I like to bring out when we're talking about community. God tells us explicitly that we're not supposed to be alone. And a lot of times we hear this particular scripture at marriage ceremonies and in marriage counseling and things like this. But I want to let you know that it's not just for that. Genesis 2 verse 18 says, now the Lord God said, it is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary to him. What we see here is that this word man is actually Adam, Adam. It's Hebrew, which also means mankind. So that's not relegated to just a male. It's saying all of us as mankind, God did not create us to be alone. Let me say it like this. God made man to collaborate, not isolate. God made man. He made us to collaborate, not isolate. Because we're not, we're not created to be isolated. I need you to say this because I know for some of you, you're like, oh, I'm an extrovert. I'm good. But, you know, for some of us, we're like, bro, I do not know about this. And so can you repeat this after me? Say, I was created. For community. One more time. Say, I was created for community. Why is that so important? Because when you are isolated, you don't get some of the benefits of community. When you're isolated, you're kind of out there for yourself, by yourself. But I love how the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says this in verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Somebody say help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, the two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love this part. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This is in your notes, but I need you to hear this. Wandering makes you vulnerable to sin and the attacks of the enemy. I'm slowing this down on purpose for a minute because I need us to hear this. This is not just a pity pity pat word. This is not just something for us to just to kind of get riled up. We need to know that when we start wandering away from community and trying to do this life alone, we're putting ourselves out as a target. And the devil is looking to pick some people off that say, I can do it by myself. The devil is looking to kill some people who say, I don't need community. The devil is saying, oh, you think you can do it by yourself? Keep thinking that. I got you. And so the trick of the enemy that we don't sometimes understand is that he's trying to get us to wander. 
But what I need to let you know, this is a powerful quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says this. He says, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more attractive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. I want y'all to see what just happened. So he, he started wandering. And as I was even reading it, I heard this thought that a lot of times we wander for what we would call good reason. We wander and say stuff like, I just need a little me time. We wander and say, you know, I've been around that church for a minute. I just need a reset. We wander and we're walking around doing life, trying to walk in the things of God, trying to figure out answers. And God is saying, if you would just stay connected to the community, the answers that you need are wrapped up in the people around you. And so what I want us to do is to be a people that, that they just exemplify that when you see your brother wandering, when you see your sister wandering, you go get them. When you see them moving around and moving about, you don't sit there and just say, at least I got my Jesus. At least I got my word. At least my family is okay. And you watch people who were close to you fall off the face of the earth. James chapter 5, verse 19 says it like this to, to go exactly with what just happened. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. As I was preparing this message, the Lord just started to bring certain people's image to my mind. There are literally people that at one time we would have a lot of conversation. At one time they would be a part of this body of believers. At one time they would come to church more than they would watch church online. And then all of a sudden you text them, you DM them, you can't reach them. And God is saying, what happened to them? And it's up to us to not just take it at face value. It's up to us to press through a little bit. It's up to us to be people who are going to go snatch some people out of that wandering season and lovingly bring them back. And lovingly say, try this again. And lovingly start to pray for them. Send an SOS, a smoke signal. Do something because somebody's life is in the balance. As a matter of fact, I'm feeling this right now. I want you just to lift your hands right now. Because for some of us in the room, some of you are wanderers. And some of us are people who need to go get people who are wandering. And so I'm going to pray over us right now because I believe that God is empowering you to be a person who goes after the wanderer. He's empowering you to go after that person who swerved you, who ghosted you. That person who you used to be in good relationship with, and you know that God didn't change the season, but they let the devil change the season. We need to go after them. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that this is not just a moment of happenstance. This is a moment right now, God, where we wage war on the enemy. We wage war on the behalf of every person that we love, that those images of those faces are coming into our minds right now. We wage war in the spirit right now and call them home. Father, we thank you that you will give us witty insight on how to reach them, that you will give us sensitivity on how to approach them, that, Father, you will show us the areas that they have lack in so that we can be agents of change in those who come and grab those people out of darkness and back into the light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you believe that, put your hands together right now. We have to be people who go get them. We have to be people who don't just sit by idly and allow people to walk off and let random things happen. 
You know those people sometimes that you would be around and, you know, one of the friends in the group, they would be walking around and tissue is attached to their, their uh, foot the whole time. And they're just walking around and nobody tells them. We don't need to be like that. Tell the person, you look a mess, bro. There was this old ad in the 80s that would say, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Can, can I say this and make this real, real? Some of y'all might, might, might not like this. But friends, if we're going to be in community, friends don't let friends walk around with their breath stinking. <laughs> friends don't let people walk around being embarrassed, not knowing that they're actually embarrassing themselves. But let me take another turn. Friends don't allow friends to be home alone for the holidays. Friends don't allow friends to disappear from church. Friends don't allow friends to, to get entangled in deception. And listen to this. Hear this. We don't control this, but we can have influence. Friends don't let friends go to hell. And so the question is, are you wandering from the fire or are you grabbing somebody that you know has wandered and bringing them back? The third thing that I want to share today about community is that community keeps inviting to the fire. Community keeps inviting to the fire. I was thinking about this and I want to ask this question to see if I'm the only one. Have you ever been around those people who you see their life is going great? They're doing well, you know, business is booming. They're always talking about how good things are, but they won't put you on. It's like it's a secret. It's like, bro, somebody helped you, help me. That's how a lot of Christians are. A lot of Christians are, are operating, experiencing the abundant life. A lot of Christians are coming to a great church and a great community, a part of a great small group, a part of a great community, but you won't tell anybody else. A lot of Christians are okay as long as I'm okay. But what I'm saying in this moment is that we have to come outside of just being okay if we're okay and being people that say, hey, I'm a part of a great community of believers. We meet on small group twice a month and go to the park. We go work out. We go to the restaurant. I need you to come with me because I know you're by yourself. Because if we don't do that, what we'll do is that we'll allow people to come into an environment where change is supposed to happen, but they will leave unchanged because the change did not approach them. And so I want to encourage us to not be those people. We need to be people who start to make room. And as a matter of fact, let me, let me do this. Let me do it like this. Right here in the, in the vest, in the gray vest. Can you run up here? Yep, you. Yep, you. Come on up here. Yeah, come up here real quick. Y'all clap it up. She doesn't know what's going on. Come on. I want her to come up here because I want to make a point. We're not going to embarrass you. Come on up. See, we have to be a people who know if we're going to call in, you can come on over. How you doing? Nice to meet you. We have to be a people, listen, who if we're going to really advance the kingdom in this neighborhood, as these homes are going up, these apartments are going up, there are going to be some people who come in here testing to see if the God we pray about and that we sing about and that we talk about is real. If the community that they heard about is real. 
And so if they come in and we're just all a part of our own group and we're all a part of what we do and we're just like, okay, you're not a normal person that I've seen at Victory Midtown, so I'm going to keep it moving, that's not going to work. We have to be a people who say, I haven't seen you before. I want to introduce myself to you. Yes, I see you have a new here bag. Was the cookie good? I need to actually say hello and give you my name, but not stop there. We have to also be a people who are willing to make room at the fire. We have to make room at the fire. Sometimes we have to get up. Sometimes we have to slide down. Sometimes it won't be as comfortable as it was before a new person came in. Listen to this. Some of y'all have been in small groups, the same small group, for 2011 years. In the same way that you were impacted, the same way that God moved in your life when you first met that community, you need to be someone who pays it forward. You need to be now someone who steps out and say, I'm not just going to be a part of the crowd. I'm going to lead the crowd because I got to make room at the fire for somebody else. And watch this. Listen to this. What happens when you are inviting people into community and what happens when you willing? She didn't know what I was doing. She willingly said, you're inviting me. I'm going to come. And when you do that, what happens is that you end up receiving certain things that you would not have been able to partake of if you were outside of that community. You now start to get encouragement. You now start to get closeness. You now start to get somebody checking on you. You now start to get someone helping, giving you healthy accountability. And watch this. I'm going to make it tangible. You now get even a $100 gift card to Kroger to pay for these expensive groceries that are out here right now because God sees you. He wants you to know that he's with you. And he wants you to know that when you get in community, you're able to get more than you have by yourself. Somebody give God praise in this place. Somebody give God praise in this place. There's some people that need an unexpected blessing, and the unexpected blessing is you. There are some people who are walking around by themselves, and they no longer need to walk by themselves. They need a community that's anchored in the things of God to come around them. Here's the thing, and we're getting ready to close, and that's a real close. (laughs) Storms are coming, y'all. Storms are here. But the way that you're going to be able to stand strong in the midst of the storm is that you have to be anchored in community. I want to show this to you better than I can tell you. Can you stand up on your feet all over the room? I know some of my introverts in here, y'all like, I came to church on the wrong day. I'm about to make it even worse. If you're comfortable, if you're comfortable, this is very important. If you're watching online and you're with somebody in your house, go ahead and do this and follow these instructions. I need everybody in here to link arms with somebody or at least put your hand on their shoulder. Preferably link arms. Preferably link arms. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Before I even take another step further, I can actually declare and I even feel that the whole environment of the room just lifted. As soon as you linked up with someone else, you realize that the strength that I have is not the strength that I have to go off by myself. As soon as you link arms, now you're feeling where I might be a little weak. Somebody's fortifying me up on the other side. As you're holding that arm right now, I believe that God is even by his spirit showing you by his spirit that you are not alone. This is a serious moment, y'all. There are too many people walking around Faking it until they make it, and they not, they're not going to make it. 
But if we're going to be a people who say we believe what God says, that we're on assignment for the kingdom, we have to come out of being selfish and be selfless. Tug that arm right quick. Tug that arm. I feel this in the spirit real strong. There are some of us in the room, some of us watching online, that you've been wondering how you're going to move to the next dimension of what God has for you. And I'm here to declare to you right now that the next dimension of your life, your next promotion is wrapped up in somebody else. Some of us have been keeping ourselves out of the next season because we are keeping ourselves out of rooms that we need to be connected with people. Gone are the days of the Lone Ranger Christian. Gone are the days of I'm good and that's okay. If, if you're not good, I'm not good. And so in this moment, I just want to say a few things. I want you to hold on right there because some of us are like, okay, how do I get in community? How do I do this thing? Very simple. It doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to open your whole house up to everybody right off the bat. Go to a restaurant. Meet with somebody. Low-hanging fruit. Today, I want to challenge everybody to do this. Introduce yourself to at least one person you don't know today. Walk through the hall slowly today. Some of you need to invite a couple people for y'all all to go out to brunch so that you can connect. Some of us in this room, we've been meeting and talking to people from a distance, but we need to invite some people over to our house for the holidays. Because again, this season sometimes really amplifies that someone has had loss in their life and there's a hole in their family. And that person that used to be living, that mother, that father, that auntie, that brother, that sister. We need to be anchored as a community. Some of y'all need to host a small group. And I'm challenging you, many in the room, this is a room full of leaders. I don't know if y'all know what y'all look like. This is a room full of leaders. And many of you, before you leave today, you need to say, I'm answering the call and I'm taking the next step and I'm going to start leading a small group. And so as we walk through this, I want you to bow your heads for a moment because I want to pray for you. I want to pray two specific prayers. The first one, I'll just jump into it. I want to pray for this community of believers that we're anchored. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are so gracious, that you are so kind, that you would remind us that we're not supposed to do this life alone, that you would remind us that we are those who are to be anchored in community in a way that we are no longer operating as solitary Christians. Father, I pray even over the person who says, I tried that before, and I made an inner vow that I would never let anybody get close to me again. I'm feeling this strong in the spirit. I pray right now for the person who felt like their trust has been breached. I pray for the person who has distrust in the church and the people of God. And I pray that we will try again. Father, I'm thanking you right now that you are dispelling every hang-up, everything that would try to talk us out of being connected with other believers. And we will walk into this next season anchored in community. With those heads bowed still, this next prayer is specific for some people. If you know, as I've been preaching and as you've been hearing this word, even going through this service, that you're saying, I need to come out of the place that I am. I, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and make sure that I invite him in my life so that I can really walk in peace. If you know that that's you or you're saying, man, once and for all, I need to stop playing games. And I need to actually step into a new relationship, a refreshed relationship with Jesus. I need to do that today. If that's you, I want you just to do a slight tug on the person's arm next to you. 
And if you felt the tug, everybody's an evangelist in here today. If you felt the tug, I want you to look at that person and say, I'm walking with you. I need y'all to start walking down to the front. Prayer leaders, come down to the front. Prayer leaders, come down to the front. If you felt somebody tug you, don't wait. I see some of y'all like debating. If that's you, come on down. Harden not your heart. The Lord is speaking to you. We see you. We see you. We see you. See, it's easier to step into destiny when somebody's with you. It's easier to come out of the shadows when you know you're not in the shadows by yourself. I see y'all. I see y'all. Come on, come on down close. Come on down close. Come on down close. You don't have to worry about, is it them or is it me? We're all in this together. Come on down close. Come on down close. This is a community of believers. This is being anchored in community. We're taking a little time with this because literally someone came in here saying, whoo, somebody came in here today saying, God, this is my last chance. This is the last time that I'm going to come in here and try you. And I need you to speak to me to let me know that you're real. Some people are coming. Let them through. Let them through. Come on down. I need y'all praying just for a moment. Everybody in here praying, praying, praying. Come on down close. Come on down close. Everybody touching somebody. Hallelujah. I just want to sit here just for a moment because too many of us have been operating by ourselves for too long thinking that was the way of life. But God said there's hope in community. There's peace in community. There's salvation in community. Yeah, salvation is an individual decision, but he fortifies you in community. So let's just hear the Lord minister over us just for a moment. There's nothing sweeter than your presence. There's nothing sweeter than your presence. We see you, we see you, we see you. God sees you.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you that we don't have to walk alone. Yes, it's your presence that's close to us, but we also feel people that you've sent to be close to us. Father, my prayer right now is as we leave here today in just a few moments, that we don't leave here alone, but we leave here connected to other believers. Father, I thank you that we are a people who will live and not die to declare the mighty work of the kingdom. That things that we've tried to carry by ourselves, that we will submit and not carry those things by ourselves alone anymore, but we will invite other people in to bear that weight with us. We love you, we bless you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen, we're getting ready to leave together. Uh, I don't even want y'all to have to run. We're going to close this service out really quickly. Y'all can stay down here uh, until we're getting ready to leave. And I want to have our prayer leaders. They're going to be down here. If you need to connect with somebody, we don't want to just pull you in and then throw you out there. If you need to connect with somebody, the prayer leaders are down here to pray with you, to minister to you. And we just believe that your greater days are here. Amen? Amen. God bless you, Victory.